back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. Fast you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Welcome, guys, to the Bash University. <laughs> always behind, as always. Uh, we are live from the Bash U from the Tackle Direct Studios. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. Um, guys, we got a real good show for you guys today. I just found out that I was uh, hosting this show about 11 minutes ago. Pete's not here. He is on his way to the St. Lawrence to do some Bash University stuff. Uh, before I talk stuff. about the show, I want to introduce my co-host tonight, BTC. Hey, Brian, thanks Brian for having Harvey. me, Greg. Are you sweating? Yeah, yeah, probably. You seem like it. Well, it's because you're sitting by me. Yeah, cool. Uh, we also have, as always, Riz and Joslyn on the IM board and talking about all the other good stuff. Jo what up? Hello, Joslyn. <laughs> Joslyn. Joslyn. Yeah, and guys. we also we got we got Scott hanging out in the studio. Guys. What's yep. up, Scotty? Random Rock voice on. in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys. So today we got a pretty good show for you. It's been about what two weeks since you guys been on? Three weeks? Yeah, yeah. We had a little we had a little break uh, there. We we weren't live during the iCast week. Well, we were we were live um, during the iCast show, but not on the podcast per se. Um, and then last week we kind of had the crew all spread out different places. So. Yeah, we everybody had, to, had COVID. <laughs> we had to re <laughs> had to regroup, and now we're all uh, we got the band back together this week. We do, and we got a special guest today. Also, we have uh, Ken Duke coming in to talk about the iCast yes. uh, recap, the COVID cast, as Brian would call the it. COVID cast. Uh, we're going to go over a place called the Bienville Plantation, which, if you have not ever been there, I recommend highly going. I've been there once mm. myself. We'll talk about that. Moment. Yes. Uh, we also are going to recap on the St. Lawrence tournament from the Elite Series, which was a few weeks ago, uh, and the recent Champlain event from MLF, which was a crazy good event also. Uh, Brian asked me to bring up some technique stuff. Yes. I brought some special stuff here that I'm going to show uh -oh. you. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm actually surprised you didn't go through this yet. I'm going to show you guys something that I do every single season. I think this technique was – uh, kind of designed, it's a Japanese thing, wow. kind of designed for early early season, but I use it for later in the season, and it works fabulous. I'm going to share it with huh. you guys. Really? Yes. Don't open this. Damn it. Uh, as always, we I'm have uh, like and share and giveaway, correct, Riz? Yeah, so we got uh, we got a few things going on today. We have a grand prize. Uh, that's going to go out to a Bash U subscriber. Um, that's going to be a Rapala. Never. <laughs> That's going to be a Rapala VMC uh, pack there uh, with a couple of hats mixed in as well. There's a nice-looking Rapala hat and a Humminbird hat on the table. Um, and we also have a Facebook like and share going on tonight or today. 
Um, and that's going to be an MLF Champions Choice box that more than likely Brian will dig into before the show, choose which baits he likes, and we might have to replace them. Yeah, Just kidding. The, the prize um, will include some of these things. Yeah, no, for real, <laughs> I won't though. let that happen. Facebook, <laughs> like, and share. We're doing a, an MLF Champions box. Guys, as always, we're going to have the message board up and running. Miss Jocelyn will be monitoring that, so... Uh, Feed us your questions, guys. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you were most excited about uh, of what dropped at iCast. A lot, a lot of awesome stuff came out. So Yeah. Were, did you mention the trivia, too? I didn't, I didn't catch it if you did or not. Yeah, the trivia is going to be for the grand prize. Okay. The, the grand the prize at the end of the show uh, is what we'll <laughs> use. A trivia question for that comes from none other than the great and powerful Ken Duke, who uh, we'll be bringing in. Very shortly, right yeah. after our, yeah. uh, our our quick commercial break there. None That's of us great. got the trivia either, so it's good. It's a good one. It yeah. is a good one. As always. Indeed. Yep. Trivia for everyone. Yeah. That's right. You got anything, Brian? I got nothing. Let's hit that commercial break. Hit the commercial. We'll come back, come with, back Ken. with Ken Duke and get this thing rolling, guys. Yep. All right. Guys, stick with us. We will be right back for more Bass University Live. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. It is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hooks set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically 
they can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. All right, guys, welcome back to Bash University Live, coming to you live from the Tackle Direct Studios. Uh, a lot of great people support our podcast, guys. Make sure you support them. That's what's going to pay the bills for us and keep us coming to you live every single week. Uh, one of those awesome companies that we work with is called BassBoatForSale.com. Guys, this is a website to buy and sell bass boats. Um, all these boats are highly vetted. They're tournament ready. Um, and they have something for every every single price point, uh, from the top of the line, brand new, to some older boats that are still really, really good functional boats, guys. Um, check them out at BassBoatForSale.com. If you're looking to buy or sell, they got you covered. We had the chance to talk with Josh a little bit at ICAST, Bry, and... Uh, you know, they, they got a really good thing going on over there. Yeah, like you said, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're looking up a boat online. It's like, is this boat too good to be true? There's a lot of scam out there. Right. Um, especially dealing with uh, marketplace and some of these other things, like what's real. This stuff's all vetted out. Make sure that the boat listed and, you know, you're not going to waste your time. That's right. That's right. BassBoatForSale.com. Nice. Yeah. So we got uh we got Ken uh in the in the Zoom line here, guys. We do. Wanna bring him in. Yeah. Everybody, none other than Ken Duke. Here he is on Bash You Live. What's up, Ken? Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's been a while, and uh, I'm such a huge Bass You fan. It's always thank you a joy to hang with you guys, whether it's in person at iCast or or on the show here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we uh, we always enjoy having you live on the show, Ken. You always bring so much to the table. I love uh, you, Ken. And Brian does love you. <laughs> he was talking about you before the show started, actually. You know, I almost didn't recognize Brian without his personal branded clothing. What? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It's not far away. Yeah, why, why aren't you wearing that? What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, Brian has this for sale on his website, btc.com. That's right. <laughs> Go check it out, btc.com. So who, who made that for you? Uh, it's a guy on, uh, I know on Instagram, uh, Chris Duda with Angler Unit. Cool. This is his channel. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Can you, said, can you sign me, one for me? Let, me? let me make you a logo. I was like, nah, but it did anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, guys, uh, and then in this case, me, BTC, so. BTC stands for Brian the Clothing. So <laughs> yeah, right. you got to adapt. you got to right. get your signature down now. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> Cool. Brian the clothing. Yeah, so guys, we're going to do a quick, uh, you know, little recap uh, on the iCast. I didn't go. Everybody else went. I viewed every video as possible, as always. Um, Ken, obviously, you're there every year. You're one of the main guys at the at the venue. Um, you know, what was your biggest takeaway if you hoppered into it? Oh, what a great way to phrase that question, Greg. You're, by the way, you're an awesome host here. Um, the, my biggest takeaway was COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking, Ken. <laughs> I was like, I won't say that. That's, I think that was everybody's one reason why I did not go, even though I'm not scared of it. Uh, quick announcement. Uh, me and my wife are having a baby. Yay! Yep. So excited. 
exciting. Yeah, very exciting. We found that it's a boy, so that's Aww. even more exciting for yeah, myself. Yes, sir. Congrats, buddy. So that was part of the reason why I didn't go was because I didn't want to chance anything. Well, Not we, that it's we brought it back for oh. you. You might have. Thank you. <laughs> now I gotta stay away from her for two more weeks. <laughs> that's, that's awesome and and really smart to to stay away under those circumstances, Greg. Uh, we missed you, but. What a great reason not to be there. Yep. Thank you. Um, it was a great show. You know, I'll say it was a great show. I talked to a ton of different manufacturers there, and the consensus was among them that that was maybe the best ICAST they had ever been to. Wow. So that was really good to hear that. Um, a lot of enthusiasm out there. Um, you know, the market's been good for the last couple of years. COVID has boosted the number of people on the water and fishing and buying fishing tackle. And uh, we're still obviously fighting COVID. So uh, some people are finding opportunities to get on the water. And that's great. Uh, the economic situation may be something that, that sees this uh, a high point in the fishing market take a downturn, yet to be seen. But uh, people really seem to get a lot out of ICAST this year. And that was great. Yeah, you know, from my experience on the, on the sideline this year, it did seem like there was a, a lot more uh, – uh, excitement, I guess you would say, uh, maybe because you know the past couple of years have been so bad. I guess you know one one reason why. But I think the fishing industry these last few years, like you just said, it really has changed. I think for the better, for the most part, um, technology wise, it changed over the last two years really strong. Right, uh, and I think it's opening a lot more doors, not only to just technology, but tackle uh, rods, reels. Talked about a little bit. It's just making the industry different. Uh, in a better way, in my in my opinion, it's also getting a lot more people into fishing. So during COVID, sure. everyone had some, needed something to do. Yep. And I sat in a seminar where they did talk about the amount of women grew like twenty percent. Huge. And the kids, like it was just insane. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. The lakes are crowded now. Great. They <laughs> and and they are a little bit crowded too. But you know, gosh, if you if you guys ever viewed like when they fish over in Japan and stuff and how crowded it is there, we we can't complain at all i don't think okay and we have a lot our, our fish bite a lot better here than they do over there because i think over there a lot of the fish get caught they actually eat them as weird as that is that's so there's less fish in the fisheries and the pressure wise is so much crazier but besides that so uh you know one thing i want to talk about that i that i was a big part of also i want to talk about uh best in show the, the for me one of the best things i saw best in show okay uh, for me, Kelly. Kelly was not there, oh. but she's best in show at my house. Um, <laughs> Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> so, guys, the Minn Kota Hummingbird uh, came out with a brand new target lock. If you guys have not sure seen did. that, um, it's just another way for us to catch fish easier. Uh, more or less, if you guys aren't familiar with that, the One Boat Network just got another add-on to it. Um, so what it is, some guys are familiar with using Turrets, Brian. Turrets, Brian yep. makes fun of me. So a turret is Turret. basically a controlled system offsetting off the trolling motor to where you can drive and basically drive your forward-facing sonar around. So what independent Minko, of your independent. So yep. what Minkota Humber did, they made one that integrated with the Altrex that basically runs off a heading sensor, heading sensor on the trolling motor, heading sensor on the turret itself. You can push a button, lock them together, they drive together, or you can spot lock. Because the biggest problem we always ran into, if you were to spot lock and you were you were chasing fish around, if you're spot locked, you can't physically chase them fish. Right. Okay. So they did it so you can spot lock separately and still be able to drive the turn off a separate little button on the floor and drive it and still 
chase that fish. But now they have a thing called target lock. Now, the target lock is really cool because let's say you're spot locked. Uh, you know, the wind's blowing real hard. There's waves. This allows you now to lock onto your target, whether it's a brush pile, a tree, a bunch of fish on a hump, whatever it is, no matter where that boat moves to, or you can change your cast position because you're still locked on that spot, and it literally locks on that wherever you drive that boat. That thing is going to follow that. forward facing will lock the, onto that. Correct. That dock, that, that submerged brush pile. It's really cool. Rock, yeah. yeah, it's really a good invention, and I'm, I'm really glad they got, you know, first dibs at it more or less and, you know, patent pending or whatever, but uh, actually it is patented now. I believe they got it. So plenty in stock. Their whole thing with this was when we launch this thing, we're going to have them ready. You guys can instantly get them from the store. They're for sale now. If you guys are big on the turret stuff, I highly recommend it. Um, it's really a really cool invention. Yep. That's, that's and my, it was a winner at ICAST. It was, and, and it was yeah. the winner at ICAST, which was, you know, like I said for myself, was the biggest takeaway yeah. from what I can see at ICAST personally. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Humminbird has dominated that electronics category, guys. In the last uh, the last 12 years, Humminbird has won electronics 11 times. Wow. I didn't know that. Which Strong. is astonishing considering when you consider how competitive the electronics category is. I mean, you've got Humminbird, you've got Lawrence, you've got Garmin. Uh, Garmin is the only one to to break that spring, that string, and they did it with Panoptics about uh, four years ago. So wildly impressive uh the team, uh, Colo, Joe Brown, yep. those guys at, at Humminbird have done amazing things with their their marketing, and uh, they're they're geniuses. They really are. It's you know this this game we play is becoming honestly, it's whoever can be or is the best with your electronics. You know every, everything plays a big part, whether it's side imaging, which Humminbird could still I think rule that. Um, mapping, they rule. I feel like for Lake Master, they still rule it. I'm just, I'm just it's like a commercial, I guess. Yeah, they have yeah, a lot of much. really good stuff. Every, <laughs> every every company offers something that's special. There's no doubt about it. But I think as a whole, the One Boat Network, in my opinion, is still as a complete set, is still number one. Yeah. Yep. And 360s. 360 is 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 crazy good. Yep. I mean, like I said, I, I've won more money on 360 than anything possible. So. Greg, we'll cut this clip for you, and you can take it with you when you revisit <laughs> your Humminbird contract. Like, like, <laughs> listen, listen, like always, I'm being 100% honest. When it comes to a complete package, I yeah. don't think it's touchable. Yeah. I think they own it. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll just send Tim Price the link for you, Greg. Thank you. Thanks. I hope he still sees it. <laughs> <laughs> B, what, what was your takeaway at ICAST, man? Me? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, my hat. <laughs> Clearly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's clear. Uh, <laughs> Brian became famous at ICAST. Yeah. Uh, yeah again? Again. What happened? It's true. Well, it's just always. I don't know. Did you get a boot sign or something again? Was that there or the classic? Boob? A boot. Oh, boot. <laughs> Dirty mind. No, neither. neither. <laughs> um, I, my biggest takeaway was just how good of a, an ICAST it was for the Bass University. I mean. Nice. Um, and Ken said that in his in his open there that it was a lot of companies their best event i know for sure of the ones that i've been to for bashu it was definitely our best we've got we got some amazing content while we were there and um and a lot of good connections so yeah a lot sure. of positive energy yeah yeah, yeah. product wise don't get a lot don't really get a chance to see as much as i'd like um you know there was a few things but not a lot not a lot. It's slob docker, slobber knocker, which is a you know yeah, it's a modification of a very proven bait, and it's it's a good modification of it. Um, that's a fantastic 
uh, thing to roll with. I love the new Revo reel. I don't want to jump into this right away, but oh my God, is that the most sexiest, beautiful reel ever? Matches your hat, 7. too. 7.5 to 1. Yep. They modeled it after my uh, clothing design. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of um, a lot of positive things there. So, Ken was saying the design behind this was geared towards forward-facing sonar. Ken, if you want to jump in, maybe? or Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot, uh, yep. that, that's one of the markets they see for it, GDP. Um, you know, a lot of guys now are throwing these small swim baits or jerk baits, and they're they're slinging them out there to a fish they're seeing on their forward-facing sonar. They get it up to that fish, and then if the fish doesn't hit it, they want it back as quick as they can. And, and at seven to five, that's not just the fastest spinning reel on the market. That's the fastest freshwater reel on the market, I believe, because, you know, spinning reels have always been a little faster. And at 7.5 to one, that thing is probably picking up 45, 46 inches of line with every turn, which is uh, probably about three or four inches faster than, than the rocket bait casters. Really? That's a lot, dude. Holy crap. Yeah. You put that in for yeah. That's... Now, what size are they making that in, Ken? Are they making it in like the two thousand, three thousand, and four thousand, or is it just one size right now across the board? Or Riz, you have to ask the tough questions. What is it about you, man? I, I, I ask I questions I when I'm interested. I, I don't. I will say <laughs> that if they make it in other sizes, I haven't seen it. Okay. But I'll bet you they will. Right. Right. Maybe it's going to take some time before they. You know they're going to test the market obviously with this thing, but I think it's going to be a big hit because people are going to are going to love the faster aspect of it, and so I, I bet you you're going to start to see it in a, in a three thousand, a four thousand. I don't know if it would make sense to make it in a one thousand. Yeah. Because you know when you Crack reduce the spool size, you're you're also reducing the uh, the amount of inches of line per turn you get. Yeah. Oh, God. You probably could. That's fast. That thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Super fast. Yeah, it did not win Best in Show. It lost to a $900 reel, which is at least three times the price of this one. But um, Yeah, um, it lost to the Shimano Stella, the new and revised Stella, which is a heck of a fishing reel. I thought the Stella was nice, and I've got better one. Be. They actually managed to make dollars. some improvements. What's that? I said it better be. It's $900. Yeah, that's that's uh, out there. Have you ever used a Stella? Never. Uh, Dude. Uh, Really well, like, what's the price point on the on the new rocket, reel? the spinning reel rocket? Ken Duke? I have no idea. Oh man, you're asking <laughs> me all these questions. I gotta find my notebooks. Is Ken, this, I was told uh, you were the brain. He is of stats. Jocelyn, jo more misinformation it's these guys the, are giving you, Jocelyn. I'm not. COVID I barely fog. have a brain. <laughs> but if you'll bear with me a moment, maybe I have that information somewhere be a good in question. my notes from it. that. Man, I, I I learned something just just there that that the spinning reel is going to retrieve more line than faster reel. than a casting reel. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Uh, I I don't know why. I always just assume casting reel is going to gather up more line quick. Well, one thing that the spinning reel has going for it that you can tell almost at a glance is look at how much more look at how much bigger the spool tends to be than on a standard bait caster yep. so right just the fact that it's revolving around that that spool is is picking up a lot more line um so that's that's part of the reason and of course huh. um anything you can do to make that spool a little larger you're also making everything a lot faster um, I found my notes, Jocelyn. I knew you had it. In trouble. <laughs> I'm going to find my notes about it. But, um, anyway, the, um, 
That's why a lot of guys, and, and Greg can attest to this better than me, that's why a lot of guys like to use a really big spinning reel, even for lighter freshwater applications, is because they can make a longer cast yeah. and they can pick up line a lot faster with it. Yeah, I, I know guys that are smallmouth fishermen, 4,000s, which is right. really a big reel. Right. You know, big spool, big line, big turn. Gather up a lot of lines. Big bass. Big bass. Big bass. Hmm. Big. Big bass. Yeah. Ken, what was like the general consensus leaving ICAST from like all the all the attendees as far as like the companies go? Like, like w- was everybody pleasantly surprised, or or what? Did, what was your takeaways from that? Yeah, everybody was very positive about it, Riz. It right. was uh, it was the most positive ICAST I've ever attended. I thought last year was a wildly positive ICAST. A lot of people raving about how great it was, and and one of the reasons for that I think was because it was the first. ICAST after COVID eliminated an in-person show in 2000. So people were just excited to, to try to get back into the, the ordinary day-to-day swing of things. Uh, and I thought they were enthusiastic for that reason. The people who went to ICAST were the ones who really wanted to be there. Right. This I, year, I, I really wanted to be there, and I, I wasn't. So <laughs> um, a lot of your information here is false. He's still salty. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't go? No. I didn't know that. Yep. Brian was there this year, just That's not last year. <laughs> last year. Well, his, his oh, apparel year. wasn't ready. Last year we did a skeleton crew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last year his apparel wasn't ready for the trip. You're so probably right, Ken. He yeah. didn't make any money to pay for the trip. That's true. That's true, Ken. He, he came this year with his own uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Had my own costume. You should get one in one pieces. Red, BTC, early cross it. Cool. Were, were the wrong color. It was just it wasn't a good fit. Uh, but you know it's. Um, it was good to have BTC there this year. Yeah. I, I got to say that. Did you guys Did you guys have the uh, ICAST Cup? Did you yeah. guys see that? They did. There was an ICAST Cup, absolutely. And they cut it to a three-fish limit this year. And uh, the winners had, I think, 21 and change. Nice. Yeah. Three for 21. So yeah. Where was it on? Toho or somewhere else? Toho. Toho. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, we had three for about oh. six and a half. Same. <laughs> three for yeah. three for twenty one. That's, that's that's decent. Right? Yeah, they had a nine and a half. Yeah, seven they, they and got a five. Ones. All the guys that I know live down there say the summertime on Toho is the best. For, for one boat. No, I'm being serious. Yeah. Oh, the guy probably knew where he was going. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it like, was uh, it was tough for most people. Yeah, I mean it, there were some other yeah. big bags that came in. There was there was like three for seventeen and was three there? for fourteen and. The monster. Yeah. What'd you guys have, Scott? Yeah, <laughs> we had three for three. Oh man, three for three, nice. Three for Think about this, okay? Florida strand bass. What don't they like? Cold Uh, weather. Cold weather. What do they like? Hot weather. weather. So that's when your biggest fish usually bite for Florida strand. Wilkin water down there. I mean, it was crystal clear. Yep. You know, they had a lot of those spray boats. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. They they were. We were riding around two or three of them out there. No doubt. Doing the work. Unfortunately. Yeah. What's your take on that, Ken? For summertime fishing in Florida. Summertime fishing in Florida uh, is, is usually pretty predictable, especially for on some of the natural lakes. You know, the, the go-to thing is, you know, you throw something like a speed worm or uh, a swim jig early when they're out from under the cover and they're active. And then once the sun gets up, you know, 930, 10 o'clock, you, pitch up, you pick up the punching rod and, and you punch until weigh-in. Yep. I mean, if you're looking for your best three fish, those are probably the things you're going to do. Yeah, I, I know. Think, yeah, I would say the punching bite is obviously that's one of the main things. But I believe from what I do know down there, 
Uh, the offshore graph still plays really well, but besides that, the brush pile fishing that's down there is really, really good this time of year. You know, if you if you could find them, obviously. If you can find them, yeah. If yep. you've got the technology or exactly. the experience to find them, they're great. Shell beds will usually give Shell up beds. some fish any yep. time of the year, um, and that's good. Um, find, if you can find some current, some heavy cover, yeah, you right. can usually catch some fish. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I was with uh, Brian from Catch Commander and, and Terry Seagraves. I think you know him, Ken. Terry! I do, yeah. yeah. Terry is an ex-elite guy. He was in the uh, first elite season. He was for a while. Was he? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Terry's partner, his 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 Wednesday night partner, was actually the guy that had three for twenty one pounds. Yep. All but, right. But, but Brian yep. drew Terry. Yeah, I got not te Terry's partner. That's right. We were three for six, <laughs> six and a half. Terry, <laughs> where that Terry? Well, that's the other side of Florida too. I feel like it's feast or famine sometimes. Like you're gonna Wind catch socks. You're gonna catch yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna yeah. You're gonna catch either average size fish or you're gonna be in the pile and you're gonna catch a freaking sack. Yeah. Seriously, average. Look at the tournaments down there. Ooh. Every time. Big, big bags. Some guys that are on the right little grass mats or right areas are freaking big ones. Yep. 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 I, I checked one time, guys. This I think this will maybe shock you. Uh, I checked one time in elite history, you know, four-day tournaments. Uh, you look at all – and, and there have been a lot of elite tournaments in Florida through the years, of course, going all the way back to 2006. I believe this was right. Only one guy – in, in a tournament, in all those elite tournaments, only one guy weighed in 20 pounds each day of a four-day tournament. So you think about guys have cracked 100 pounds down here, but did it without catching 20 pounds every day. They would always have a, a, a tough day where maybe they caught 13 or they caught 17 or something. But the only guy I think who ever caught 20 every day of a tournament, an elite tournament, was Mark Menendez one year? He did it. He Ooh. finished like fifth, but oh, even the winners, Menendez. even when Ishman Rose cracking a hundred, even when Chris Lane's at a hundred, these guys have a tough day. Yeah, you know, shocking to me. Looking looking back on just a little bit, I fished Elite Series. I think on the St. John's, I believe Menendez did really well, except for one time down there. I think he's got something he has, figured out down there. He has done good down on St. John's the last few times. Yep, yep. I, I think that's where he did it, Greg. Um, but you, you think about that. You think about all the guys catching 90 pounds plus in Florida. You'd think, well, they're consistently bagging, yep. you know, 20, 23, 24 pounds. No, it's it's up and down. I remember when Ish Monroe won an Okeechobee, he had a, like a 33-pound day. Then he had like a 13-pound day. It's, it's, uh, wow. it's not – Smooth sailing where you find them and they just show up every day for you. Yeah. It doesn't work that I way. Think, I think this year when John Cruz won, he had a really bad day. He, he had did a have really a, good tournament, yep. but he had one bad day where he had a small weight, but he still yep. came back and got him because one day he had like 35 or something or something like that. Yeah. Stupid. It, it, it's one of the things I love about Florida. It's uh, it's not as predictable as some places. Like, uh, you know, you're at this point of the season now where you're fishing a lot of smallmouth waters in the, in the Northeast and stuff, and everybody catches five. Everybody's five way yeah. roughly the same, except yeah. a few guys who are the outliers on top and their fish are a quarter ounce heavier than everybody else's fish or the guys down near the bottom whose fish are a quarter ounce lighter than everybody else. But everybody's packed sandwiched in that For middle. Sure. Yep. Yeah, I, that's New York fishing. It's just fake. It's like fake. There's extra, there's extra fish everywhere. <laughs> extra, extra. There is a lot of fish it's, out there. It's not it's intriguing from that standpoint. I agree, Ken. I'm over And then the other thing you can say about <laughs> – 
you know, that, that kind of fishing, that smallmouth fishing that you guys have up there, which is terrific. It's a lot of fun and catching that many quality fish today is a blast. But um, the other thing you can say about it is in Florida where the average fish might be three, the big fish will be three times that or four times that. Right. Yeah. In a smallmouth tournament, the difference between the average fish and the biggest fish of the whole tournament yeah. is, is less than a, a multiple of two. Yep. Right, right. The biggest fish of the whole tournament will be like 1.75 times as big as the average. Yeah. And that to me is another cool thing about the. For the sure. Florida. Yeah, there's there's definitely something cool about Florida fishing. And I also just got to clear it up. You're saying us, like us, our smallmouth fisheries. <laughs> yeah. We're in South Jersey, Ken. Yeah, we don't have any that. of that. <laughs> Actually, we no. got to go like six hours north. Six. At least at least four, yeah. you know, four and a half hours north to get to that. But four to eight. I waited in a bunch of smallies the other day. You make, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm the only guy in South Jersey that can catch Use guys. Use guys. What'd you have? 15. Did you? Yeah. 15. Pounds? All smallmouth? No. Mixed bag. I could okay. have had all smallies. I called. Right. Right. I think I was the last guy to weigh in 15 pounds all smallmouth on Union. Really? Nah. I had one largemouth in there. Yeah. <laughs> Big old heads. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it'll happen once once a year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not every boat in the tournament. No. Like no. New York. No. No. New York, don't get me wrong. New York is probably, if you put it together as a whole, it's probably one of the best yeah. states for small for mouth sure. fishing. Oh, yeah. And largemouth. And largemouth, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just special up there. If you guys never been up to Cayuga or Cuca or – Stay home. Uh, you no, know, no. Listen, <laughs> go. It's it's worth going. Go now because it's still that good. Right. That's why I tell everybody about the St. Lawrence. Like, we're seeing the heyday of the St. Lawrence right now. For sure. And it's just unbelievable. We were just up there. We're going to talk about this here in a minute. But, like, the, I've never been anywhere as that compares to that place ever. So – I agree. Yeah. Guys, if, if I can break in for a second, I got a trivia question for for the group here. Okay. Oh, I'm let's ready. Go. Let's go. Um, now, we're talking about uh, the big, the, all the smallmouth that are caught and stuff like that. We're talking about that St. Lawrence River tournament uh, where everybody caught a limit every day, you know, which is pretty dang shocking, you know, awfully impressive. But you know what? It happened once before. In the elites, it happened once before. St. Lawrence. Where did it happen? That's my guess. So, so everybody at the most recent St. Lawrence River event caught a limit. The whole field. Every day for four days. Every day. Everybody. Wow. That's impressive. Oh. I didn't know that. Wow. So second so, time it's ever happened in elite history. I got to go Champlain. No, you know what? I'm gonna change my guess. I'm gonna go with Anita. Because back then no, it was fishing really The only good. lake name I remember is Chickamauga. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Riz, you got a guess? Scott? Rainbow? Union? Uh, man. St. <laughs> Clair up north. You know, 14 Ooh, St. Clair. That, that, that's, a, that's a good, you hear me? good shot at it. Um, the other day. Oh, wait. Four. Hold on. Lake Oahe. Well, I'll give you a hint. That's I guess, a good guess, Riz. That uh, was a good guess. Nobody's guessed it yet. Okay. Nobody's. I'll, 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 I'll give you another hint. Nobody's gotten within a thousand miles. Wow, oh, Texas. Well, go back down to Alabama. Uh, more I, more I might be wrong on the mileage, but Falcon. Nobody's. Uh, yeah. Nobody's anywhere I'm close. A stud. Falcon would be a good guess back when they crushed them there. Yeah. Um, Lake this is a good guess, Fork. but that's Fork's not that's not the right answer. Are we in the right part of the country? Uh, you. Well, if Trump you're going down says, to Texas, no. Pickwick. 
You're not the right part of the country. Oh, maybe it's Gunner. We got some guesses coming in. Simple? What do you got, Jaws? Uh, Havasu. It's not Havasu. Okay. But it sounds like it might be that way, though. He kind of stopped for a second. I'm trying to think, like, where they've been. I I mean. You got any guesses on there? It's not, not out west. I do. A it's lot of people are throwing things in there. The Coosa River. Coosa River. Wow. What else you got? There? I would say uh, no to the Coosa. Lake Pork. You're getting warm. Lake With Pork. With the Coosa, you're getting warm. Guntersville. Guntersville. <laughs> Dale Hollow. Clear Lake. There's never been an elite event at Dale Hollow. Pickwick. Who, who is throw them, who, who throw them out of the universe? Expel them Give immediately. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Rayburn. No, I'm just mm. going to tell y'all. Go, might as well. Let's hear. Latest song. Shocking. Pickwick. She said. I Pickwick. said Pickwick. I said Pickwick. Well, somebody said Pickwick. Who did Jocelyn? You said Pickwick. I sure did. So <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> Pickwick in 2010. Everybody okay. caught a limit every day. Wow. What time of year was that? Let's see. Uh, that would Probably have been June. in uh, a late April, early May. So you know, just a perfect time to be there, of course. But but that's what you got to have almost everywhere to have those kind of catches. That's what you're getting in New York right. when you're there in the summer. What year was that? 2010. 2010. That's before the pressure got to it. That place was probably stupid back then. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All these but, places. So it's happened place. before, but but what happened on the St. Lawrence, where everybody caught a limit every day. Extremely rare, even at the elite level where everybody's good. Let's let's hop let's hop into the tournament talk right now because we'll come back to Benville. Benville, because we're talking about this now. Sound good? Yeah. So that St. Lawrence event. Let me just talk from what I saw. So, if you watched it, obviously it was a forward-facing sonar tournament. I would say the majority of the guys were doing that, and if they weren't doing that, they were visually looking at with their eyeballs, swimming around. There was fish every day. I had to limit my first five casts every day. So. I'd pull into whatever I was fishing, uh, it was rock, grass, whatever it was I was fishing. I'd put the live down there, dude. I mean, wherever I turned that thing, there was a smallmouth. I'm not exaggerating. Really? So, like, as as I'm turning it, looking, I'm like, all right, let's see how big this one is. And they're all just, it was dumb. Oh. You pick up on it, it was heavy instantly. They already had it. Now, one thing I'm going to give you guys a little nugget real quick. So, how deep were you fishing? Uh, in the morning, I fished, like, five to eight. And then later in the day, I was down to like 16. Yeah. So the first day of the event, listen, I didn't, I, I don't want to say I didn't do good, but I didn't do good. I had 20 a day, 20 pounds a day, but so did everybody else, obviously. Thanks um, for coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's yeah, easiest way to get home quick. But anyway, so like <laughs> the sec or the first day of the event, there was a period of the day where it just got completely glassed. I mean, it was so calm, and then I was using forward-facing sonar, and I was I was pitching out to a lot of with a drop shot, and they would just run away. And I was throwing a 5.16 ounce drop shot weight. I went down to a 3.16, caught them all. Really? Yep. Because I, I think the initial blunk was spooking them. And Blunk. they would they'd be looking up around and just go. When I threw a real small weight in there, it'd go right down and they'd go right over to it. Yep. Good adjustment. Quick adjustment. Yeah. Nice. Didn't yeah. change bait Greg, color or No, no like bait color, nothing. No line, nothing. Yep. Greg, I've talked to some guy. You know, forward-facing sonar is it seems like everything these days i mean it's uh, it's a winner on the tournament trail it's a winner at icast it's just almost indispensable it seems like for a lot of guys yep. but i'm also hearing guys who who use it and and love it uh i'm asking them what's the end game here what what is all this going to do regarding fishing pressure and, and how fish react to it and i'm talking to some guys who are very knowledgeable and really talented anglers and some of them are telling me that they think that it's 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 got a, a shelf life because they think that eventually 
these fish are going to just run in terror anytime a bait passes over their head or they sense a boat nearby. They, they already are from my experience. Um, let me try to explain this the best way I can. So the biggest, my, my biggest takeaway from forward facing sonar is actually physically watching how fish adapt to their weather conditions. Okay. So I can tell you this days that are blowing out of the West. I mean, it's so true. They are so easy to catch on forward facing sonar. When you get a West wind, it's stupid. Now, when you're getting the days that have a mixture from, this is all my experience. West, Northwest or, or West-Northwest, anything that has West involved besides South for some reason, I don't know why, it's like, okay. So some days I'll point the sonar at them fish. When when they're biting but they're not biting well, when you point the sonar, they tend to go to the bottom. They, they feel it. Whatever is pointing at them, they're feeling it. So And then there's other days, too, where, like, if you have them winds out at straight east, you'll point the sonar at them, they literally won't even move. And you'll cast right to them, they won't react, nothing. So, like... I'm learning how the fish act more on weather than baits, as weird as that kind of sounds. Wow. But, like, yep. it's so much you see now because now I'm physically, you know, hunting a fish that has no idea that I'm there for the most part. He might feel the sonar, but now he doesn't know that I'm actually there. Right. You know, I'm throwing a 40, 60, 70-yard ca- feet cast to that fish. Yep. But now I'm, I'm literally watching how their reactions are. I'm watching how they're swimming together with bait. I'm watching how they're just reacting in general. I mean, it's 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 showing me so much that, you know, I think within from now to <coughs> three years from now, it's still going to be the biggest topic because there's still so much to learn that I think we just don't know about. Yep. I think from a Bass University, you know, standpoint, <laughs> I think it's excellent. And then, you know, going down the road, Ken, like you just said, you know, we're going to have to figure out other ways to catch these fish because we're pressuring them so much now, individual fish, that, like, I know the guys that are on St. Clair that I talk to a lot, them guys are all saying, man, I don't care what what's going on. I point that thing out and they're so pressured, they're gone. Like, they know it instantly. Yeah. You know, so there's going to have to be some kind of adjustment we have to do, whether you're going to have to run your range really far out to where maybe – they're not picking up as much of what we're putting onto them power-wise. Huh. I don't know what they feel, but trust me, they're feeling it because, like like I said, on them days, man, they go right out of scope where they come, like, right to the top. They, they swim away. They do this. They're, they feel something, Yeah. whether it's just whatever it is. I don't know, but there's a lot to be learned. Yep. You know, that I don't think – Did you all hear about the first tournament pushback against forward-facing sonar? There is now a tournament organization that has banned it. We did. It's a musky tournament organization, but – it's, it's starting to get pushed back. And I, I kind of hate that. I, I don't like it whenever the tournament organizations of any kind start to, to ban technology or to ban uh, anything that would be legal in the state. You know, I just, I just don't think that's a good move. I think it, it, I think it uh, holds the industry back. I think, I think the reason why, I don't know what size that tournament trail is, but I can probably almost guarantee you the guy that's maybe running it is fishing it and does not have the technology possibly. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> There's that. Um, we talked about a little before the show. I think this is my take on, on technology. Everybody can basically, for the most part, get their hands on it. So taking it away, I don't really agree with. I know there's talk on youtube with some some of the channels they don't like technology but like you got to get with the times i mean it is what it is it's just true it's it's going to keep on coming you know as, as a as a a marketing standpoint these companies are, are all 
pushing to get better, which are going to make us better anglers in return for the most part. Now, with that being said, I do think forward-facing sonar uh, from a high school or college standpoint is taking away a lot of what all of us have physically learned by just putting hours in on the water with no technology. Yeah, there's 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 going to be a gap at some point where these kids are coming up are missing one of the biggest things about fishing, and that's fishing. Yeah, right. fishing the moment, going yeah. out on the water and figuring the lake out without showing up with a bunch of dots. Dots you are just forward-facing sonar in general where you can hunt individual fish. I don't need a pattern. I'm going to go hunt this fish today. Right. You know, where you, you have to – if you want to fish the highest level, whether it's MLF or Elite, at some point you're going to have to have every single thing. Ike talks about it all the time, the stepping stones. Yeah. Yep. So important. Yep to me and it still is I, I, I still think that's being missed what do you think ken i agree with that i think that uh but i think what we're you made a great statement a minute ago when you talked about everybody has access to it and, and that's and without taking exception to that everybody does have access to it if they have the, the, the funds to get it yep. but what what i think is problematic is that uh very few people spend that kind of money for fishing yep very, very few people. There are maybe 50 million anglers in the country. Um, only about 11% identify as bass anglers. Okay. So that's a pretty small number already. Now you go to the ones who actually spend three or $4,000 in electronics. Now you're down to nothing. Yep. You're down to a few thousand people. Uh, so when we talk about who has access to it, it may be technically true that a lot of people have it, but most people are never going to get it. Never going to get it. They, they can't afford it. That's not where they're going to spend their money. So I think that, um, I think that we, we need to be really careful with how we use it. I think we need to be really careful with, um, with what direction it goes. I don't want to ban it. I don't want to stop it. I don't want to slow it down even. But I, I want to see where it goes before we, before we make it the, the be-all, end-all. Um, I, I just worry about it because to think that, oh, everybody's going to have it. Well, that's the kind of thing that people say when they don't know what they're talking about. And that's the kind of thing you'll hear on other shows. You won't hear it on Bass University. You won't hear it on Bass Talk Live, right. but you'll hear it on other shows. Oh, everybody's right. got to have it. Well, ain't going to work that way. Yep. Well, the other side of this too, 10 years from now, what we're talking about might not even be any good because something else is going to come out. You True. Know? And Absolutely then right. Yep. Like there's, I go back and forth on the the forward facing sonar like all the time. Like, yeah, I go from one week thinking like oh, I don't I don't need that stuff, and then you and I have a conversation like like we did before the show, and I you, it gets me second guessing myself. Yeah. Like, damn, like really should should I should I start to implement this? And I do use some technologies of forward facing sonar, like 360. I use a ton, but I, I don't have you know live sight sonar or, or active target or anything like that. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that like I keep going back to is like there's there's a part of it where like you know people are getting involved in the sport of fishing they're jumping in these tournament trails and you know at the at the local level you know it's like everybody's jumping in and they they think that oh now I got now I got active target sonar or live sight sonar panoptics whatever I'm in the game now I'm gonna I'm gonna hang I'm gonna compete yep. and like you said ultimately sometimes when it comes down to it it's like 
do you have the decision making process? It's like, do you, do you have those that those just like those go fishing moments to like revert back to that that I don't think putting a piece of technology on the front of your boat gives you that that in the moment thought process that that w- when you see something on the water you you see a bait a bait fish flick and you say okay I need to change the white right now boom does does Active Target give you that or does Panoptics give you that I, I don't I don't know maybe it does maybe it doesn't like. You know, there's there's two sides to it. Like the technology is freaking awesome. Yep. It is so cool. I've seen it. I've seen it in effect where like I've been on my buddy's boats and I've literally said to him, I was like, dude, if we didn't have panoptics, we would not have caught that fish. Yep. But, you know, the other side of it is like, well, you still got to go fishing. Yeah. You know, w- w- I think what the biggest thing is here, and this is what the Bass University teaches, is the fun- the fundamentals are still right. Like the fundamentals. The most important part of fishing, no matter how you yep. cut it, whether it's bass, crappy, whatever it is. But besides that, and this is through experience talking too. The the forward facing sonar can actually hurt you because True. them days I just explained where they they won't react or they're swimming off. You'll get locked into doing it, and you look at your watch, man. It's time to get away, and you blew your whole day chasing a fish that just won't bite. You got to know when to put it down. You got to know fish. when to hold them, when yep. to fold them. Like that's, that's right. the biggest thing that I can. That if I was to tell you one thing about that stuff, if you're out there for an hour and your conditions really aren't going to change throughout the course of the day. It's time to give it up and go. Let's go flip the bank. Let's go do something different. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because what a great observation. Because I watched guys do exactly that in the Red Crest this year. Yep. They were, they had been on fish all week. Suddenly, it's the finals where the big money's at stake, and uh, they cannot take their eyes off the screen. Yep. The fish are not responding like they had been earlier days, but they could not stop. It's almost like uh, fishing for a big fish on a bed who's yep. locked right. on the bed. But you can't get that fish to bite. Can't get that fish to bite. But you still, still, you still spend three hours on that fish, and you destroy your chance to win the tournament. The other thing, uh, also, you guys mentioned crappy tournaments. That's where I think the biggest impact has actually been. Correct. Uh, in terms of yeah, that's com- where it came from, right? That level. Yeah. I, I'm understanding that that guys who fish certain styles, you know, with the big spider rigs where they're yeah. they're trolling minnows or or jigs through an area. Those guys are just dead in the water now. Those guys are no longer competitive on any level. And uh, the forward-facing sonar guys have taken over the world of crappy tournaments. Yep. And it's going to continue, I think, until something else comes out. But, uh, you know, going back to the St. Lawrence, going back to Champlain, uh, these tournaments were dominated, uh, obviously, on forward-facing sonar. Now, the one thing that – let's talk about Champlain. The one thing that I can tell you that I've seen – uh, so we started going there for the Elite Series. We went. We didn't go this year. We went last year and the year before, and now you just saw MLF was there. The weights are better than they ever have been, and it, and it's. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the fish aren't getting bigger. It's the technology is getting better. You know, guys. That was c- my. You took my point. You were trying to say fishing's gotten better. I said no, the technology's gotten better. And you're like, oh yeah, and you wrote it down. Well, so so Champlain, the, the fish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out ledge right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Champlain in five years is gonna be one of the best fisheries in the country because it's the, not already. No, I, really? I still think I think pound for pound the St. Lawrence is still better. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm not, not gonna, I'm not talking I'm about not just going out that. and just catching numbers. Yeah, yeah, Champlain is fabulous for catching numbers. I think the cycle yeah. Champlain is going through right now is one of its best cycles that's ever had in the history of Champlain. That's my. What's your thoughts on that, Mister KD? Well, you guys know those fisheries so much better than I do. Uh, you're much closer. You've been out there. I visited Champlain for the first time uh, earlier this year what? on an Abu Garcia trip where I first got to see that that rocket. 
Um, that was your first time I was really there. Impressed. What's that? That was your first time in Champlain. Yeah. Isn't wow. that Pete's favorite place? Pete, yeah, probably it is. Like. It's like Disney. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool place. But but you guys know the cycles out there, and it seems that most lakes have a cycle. And if, if GDP says this is one of the best cycles he's ever seen, that that carries a lot of weight with me. He would know. He's seen it for quite a few years. How old are you? He's on top 13. of such things. <laughs> yeah, it, it has been. I mean, the, the tournaments are just – they're telling the tale. You know, even right. two, two years ago, forward-facing center was a thing, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And the weights were even better two years ago than I've ever seen as a whole for, you know, a pro-style back, target. Back in tournament. my day. I, th- <laughs> I think what you got to watch out for in this situation, you know, even as good as Champlain is – even as strong as, as Greg is seeing it come around and go through the cycle, you got to watch out. There's a line in a, my favorite Eagle song. It's called the last resort. And uh, the line is you call someplace paradise, kiss it goodbye. <laughs> oh, oh man. True that. What a beautiful that's, line. That's why I tell everybody to go to St. Lawrence now, because I can already <laughs> see where it's going to be changing. That's why I said, stay home people. Yep. Um, I knew you did, but we started going up to Champlain in the early nineties and there were, it was a couple of years before forward-facing sonar. Um, <laughs> that was before side images. <laughs> before yeah. I was born. That was before Jocelyn. Yeah. Um, How about you? Before you? I was I was uh, eight. He was eight. Um, we'd go up there and rent 14-foot boats with a 9-9, two rods, and catch 50 to 100 bass. I'm sure. Stuck in a small area. So before the tournament started going up there and bass yep. named it the top lake in, in the country, it was probably at its peak. How big were the fish back then? Still big, same. Big. Big, yeah. yeah. Fives. Yeah. yeah. Fives, so five with that half, with that being said, uh, technology and tournament pressure are the two biggest downfalls. They continue to, to, to balance themselves out. You know right. what I mean? Like the argument being made that weights are higher has to, has to factor the increased uh, knowledge of the anglers, yep. the ability to share information, and, of course, the, the technology. Yeah, the electronics. there's definitely a ton that – you know, it's all a part of it. Yeah. And and back to what you're saying about uh, uh, forward facing, you know, before forward facing, there was down imaging and side imaging and guys were being able to drop straight on them and catch them. Yeah. And then two years later, you couldn't drop straight on them and catch them. You had to cast to them. Yep. So they adjusted to the feeling the pressure of the boat on top of them and the down imaging. And they're going to adjust to, like you said, uh, uh, forward facing. Yeah. And. We'll have to adjust accordingly or go fish the bank. And yeah, we'll shut your, we'll find them in practice and shut your electronics off. That's Join the other way, and that's Brian just hit a key point there. You know, oh, there, yeah. there's nothing wrong with just going down the bank because it's it's turning into the brand-new new more or less where, like, right, dude, I mean, when I'm when I'm doing a practice for an elite event, almost everybody I see is idling, looking around or, or on the front of the boat looking around. I mean, the bank fish, John Cox, prime example, who does, he's almost leading AOI. That's all he really does. Yeah. John can do yeah. it all, but John is really well at just fishing. Mm-hmm. John Cox left his graph at home for the Bassmaster Classic at Lake Gunnersville. I believe it. No electronics on the front of his boat. No, there was no graph on the front of his boat. I said, John, did you, did you leave your 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 fish finder in the truck? He said, No, nah, I forgot it at the house. <laughs> so there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> we have a high school student that just commented. Um, going back to the electronics part. Yeah. And he said that he's in high school and he doesn't even have a boat, but he fishes out of his kayak, but he can't afford a graph. So um, he's been outfished so many times. So he does believe that having electronics is 
gives you a better advantage. And, and, it, and, it, and it, sure. it does for the most part. Um, there's always going to be a shallow bite no matter what time of the year it is. Um, and there always could be a winning shallow bite. There's always one in every lake. So my biggest thing to tell you <clears throat> is don't get stuck on what we just said about four pace and center. It's a great tool, but you can win other ways. Okay. Right. Hands down. I mean, every tournament is won in different ways. I, I don't think there really has been too many tournaments that have been physically won on forward-facing sonar. I mean, if you look at it as a whole, I think most of them are still pattern fishing. I'm flipping a bank. I'm going down a grass edge. I'm doing mm-hmm. something. Yeah. That's where that's where the bulk of the weight is still always coming from a lot of times, unless it's a smallmouth event because they just roam on flats everywhere and they're just everywhere. Yeah. And also to the young man or young lady on the message board, uh, you don't have to buy the most expensive graph yep. out there either. You can get a, a very suitable um, – fish finder um you know for 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 more affordable pricing i know your high school you know you save up a little bit get yourself one you know get get a more affordable one man as long as it's got 2d sonar and gps mapping you're good to go just don't just don't buy one without a gps on there because having waypoints and be able to manage your waypoints is so crucially important so he did chime in and say that because of that he can pattern fish up shallow amazing Yes, and there that's you go. so the, the, go. the biggest part to kayak fishing is this. You can go where all of us can't go. Yep. So yep. take that to your advantage and use that to your, your power or your strength because exactly. you can fish for fish that we can't even imagine getting to. Yep. Double down on your strengths, right? Exactly. Wh- wh- whoever's on the board Andrew. there. Andrew, if, Andrew if, if you're a good frog fisherman yep. and you like frogging you know, up shallow, get really, really good at it. Get as good as what you're good at as you can. And everything else will fall into place, man. You know what I mean? You'll you'll get a graph on your kayak or your boat or whatever down the road, but just keep keep fishing, get after it, and uh, you know keep working hard, and good things will come your way. For sure. Well, enough about that part. How about Bienville. <laughs> oh, uh, Let's, Ken, you got anything else you want to say? Yeah. Uh, no, man, you guys covered it. I, I think uh, <laughs> forward facing sonar is such a huge issue. Uh, issue. I, I really enjoyed the the back and forth here. Good. Yeah. I got an update on the Revo Rocket. The price point is one ninety nine ninety five. If you do your math real quick, you can have four and a half Revo Rockets for the price of one Stella. Stella outlast all four of them though. Get the hell nah, out of I'm going. I'm going Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> Ken's probably. I promise you, I can break that Stella no problem. I'm going Rockets. You can catch a marble on Stella, like literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At ICAST, Don't make I did me separate you two. <laughs> <laughs> At ICAST, I did want to talk about how the Hobie eyewear, they came out with that floating sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish they came out with that uh, a day before. I know. That's <laughs> Rich, Rich lost his sunglasses the day before, too. Did you? Uh, the week weekend before. Yeah, I lost yeah, some of the ICAST know, cup. Dude, Terry, slow down. Fourth of July weekend type stuff. I got gotcha. you. Well, yeah. now they have the mojo float, which they float. Awesome. So, Terry, back up. My sunglasses. Back, back up, up, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a problem. <laughs> Can be. So they but float. now they got floaters. All right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Need that. Nice. So you guys uh, you guys were at Bienville recently, correct? Yes. Where's that at? For Florida. Florida. I don't know the name of the town. Uh, Ken, what's the town it's in? Do you know? Uh, it's a little town called White Springs. White Springs, GDP. that's it. That's it. Uh, there's not much to White Springs. There's very little. There's not even a grocery store there. If you want groceries in White Springs, you go to the Dollar General. Dollar General. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You eat at Fat Bellies. That's where you go. <laughs> I remember when I drove yeah. into White Springs there 
there's literally like a white spring or something like right in front of you as you come in and turn. It was like I remember seeing this crystal like white sand. Uh, okay. I'm thinking that's why it's probably called that. Maybe I'm guessing. I don't know. So yeah, so the property is uh, all those lakes are uh, pota- uh, potash and phosphate uh, pits. Phosphate pits. Phosphate pits. Okay. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So cool, cool, cool place, man. Wasn't an ideal time to be there in February. It was yeah. pretty hot. Even February, though. February. Yeah, February. You were there in February. I was there in February. Yeah, July with Ken also. How was fishing? Uh, good. We caught a lot flipping and pitching. Did you? A lot. That's cool. So Fair we, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would say the average size was still three pounds, yeah. average. But yeah. we did catch some really big ones too. Not real big, eight pounds. A pretty good size fish. Yeah, it's a big uh, one. There were six and sevens across the board caught. We rotated. We were there for I think, Ken. How many days were we there? Four days? Three days? Four. I think you were there for twice as long as I was GDP because I think you guys worked two cycles of, of we media did. through. Yeah, we were there for a while. And so yeah, you were probably there for a, a week or so, and I was there for a couple of days of fishing. Yep. But it was a it was a good time, and I've I've been very fortunate. I've been able to go to Bienville Plantation probably. 35, 40 times through the years, going wow. back for. Can you give us the history on it, Ken? So. What's that? Can you give us the history oh. on the that their body of water? Oh, I, I can do a little bit there, BTC. Um, you know, phosphate is a, a really important mineral for fertilizer and things like that. That has been mined in Florida and and you know a handful of other places around the world uh, for a long time now. And uh, a lot of the phosphate pits that uh, that were dug in Florida happened back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Uh, most of them are very close to central Florida, uh, near Orlando, where I live. But a few of them were up in that White Springs area. And um, and on Bienville Plantation, which is a property of about 13,000, 15,000 acres, something like that. Uh, now, now it's called Bienville Outdoors, actually. Uh, they've got about 20 lakes, which are old phosphate pits, reclaimed, uh, refilled, stocked with bass. And it turns out that um, the minerals and so forth that you have in a phosphate pit are, are really conducive to fish growth, bass growth. And, and over the years, the owners at Bienville, especially over the last 30 or 35 years or so, they have run it as a, a private big bass fishery. And uh, Bienville Outdoors has now got a couple of new owners as of last year. Uh, Adam Baker and Chris King own it and run the place and they are they're working really hard to get everything right out there. And they're starting with the fishing, you know, working to improve the fishing out there. But you're right. It's a, it's a tough time to fish in Florida right now. If you want to be down there in July, it's a, it can be a very tough bite. And because these are phosphate pits and not natural lakes, uh, they're not the same kind of salad bowls that, uh, that most anglers are familiar with in Florida, which is just, you know, acres and acres of vegetation, pads, hydrilla, Kissimmee grass, and so forth. These are not like that. A lot of these have some deep water. Uh, a lot of these have uh, algae blooms and varying water color. Some of them have hydrilla, some don't. But it's uh, it's a really mixed fishery out at Bienville. So, so, Ken, in your 40 times of being there, what's the biggest bass you've ever seen come out of there? Ah, 12 and change. Wow. Giant. 12 and change the the property record is is a shade under 17 oh my <laughs> yeah that is that's yeah. insane and, and since you guys have both been there 
It was caught from the dock right behind the log. That's right. That's, That's right. right. I heard that. Yeah. Story. Was the guy crappy fishing or something or throwing a little spinner? That or was something? crappy fishing. Caught yeah. it on like a beetle spin or something. Oh, my God. You can God. imagine. Can you imagine that? Um, just craziness. 17 But uh, <laughs> I've, I've caught some fish over 10 at Bienville. And I'm, I'm, I know the guy who caught the biggest fish of the last uh, weekend there. Oh, really? I, uh, Sounds yeah. like a great guy. What's his name? Uh, Brian something. Oh, the guy. Oh, Brian wait, the now, clothing. Now, wait, Brian the clothing. Right, now that I remember his apparel. He just put <laughs> yeah. on a clothing line after that catch, I think. I can you say got Brian the clothing. He did. Yeah. What'd you catch it on, B? Tell us all let's, about let's it. Let's guess. Yeah, well, you know. Let's guess. Uh, I bet it was small. It was small, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much through big baits for three quarters of the time like, there. Like big, big baits? Like yeah, stuff? glide baits. Yeah, yeah what, I was uh, with uh, Byron from Missile missile baits and and byron's all about the big baits and i am too um but they weren't really having it byron had a big one on Did byron he? had a big one on yeah like you were saying being able to see the tail yep. when they're swimming away like we were kind of following some fish that were like that and he got one to eat and had it on for a couple turns Jeez. and uh come off and were you guys yelling i was laughing <laughs> um straightened the hook on his uh, on his uh Depths 250, it's a, which is a big bait. It's such a fine line with them big baits and bent hooks, isn't it? Like, I feel like it, it easily can happen. Yeah, well, yeah, because the, 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 the math is to as to, soon as you hook up is to yep. burn it right to the boat. Yep. The bait's too big, too heavy, too much leverage. You don't give them any chance. You get their head up out of the water and you, you know, yep. try to horse them to the boat. And, and uh, the fish only had one prong of the treble. You know, and that was that yeah. was the problem, and and uh, it's a stiff hook. I mean, if somebody hooked me with it, and I was trying not to, I'd probably just run right in. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I could I could bend that hook out. These fish are angry. Down that's just there. That, dude. That's think about that's to bend that hook. That's a ton of pressure. That's a lot yeah, it of is. pressure. Tons. Yep. Tons. Um, it's I, a lot of pressure to bend any hook, let alone that, a, yeah. like a a number two. Yeah. Treble. Wow. Um, but that was. Uh, one other guy, uh, Mike Davis, had a big, 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 big follow him in oh, yeah. and look at the bait and kiss it and turn it, swim away. And this is a guy that catches big, big ones. And he said it was – he felt like it was a teener. Really? Um, wow. But mostly it was, you know, two to four pound. There's a few fives caught. And then uh, I caught a seven on the last day. One in Edward. Were you actually fishing it or a bit in the fall? Like, what's the deal? I was working it down down a drop. This yeah. uh, the lake that we were in, New Lake, which doesn't really it, it's two years old. I so New Lake. did you? Yep. Uh, I I think I have the lake record as of. I two had weeks a ago. I had a, like a four out of there. Yeah, that's yeah. what most of them are. Yeah, they're nice in there. Yeah, beautiful lake. Yep. Yeah, um, it's real nice. But it was down a drop, and she bit in about. It's weird. The grass. It's the banks bald. 10, 12, 14, 15. 17, 18 feet, the grass starts. Yep. yep. And um, you're sitting down in the grass. So me and Keith Coombs were on New Lake this past year, and uh, Keith goes, man, there's a giant sitting down there. And we're looking at it. It was like a five-pound largemouth that literally had like a three-and-a-half in its mouth. Like, I don't even know how it even got it in. I got a picture <laughs> on my phone still. I don't know how it got it in, but it was dead, laying on the bottom. And Keith, Keith snagged it and got it up. The fish was so lodged in there, we couldn't even get it apart. It was crazy. What? I don't know how it even ate it. I really don't. Wow. Yeah. They were both dead? Both dead. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. What a shame. Yep. You wonder how that happens. I wonder sometimes if, if, if two fish aren't going after the same bait and and they meet at the bait, but one of them winds up 
choking on the other because of that. I guess eyes are bigger than her belly. I don't know. It's just it, it was it. You know the via the, yeah. the via the one to three pounder, three and a half pounder. Like it must have went in like perfect, and it just freaking it was lodged in there. It was crazy. I Damn. can't believe he even tried to eat it. If he tried to eat it or went for bait, whatever he was doing. Yeah, well they were that, they amazing. weren't eating big baits. Yeah, we well, that there. was a real big bait. You ain't got on that big. That was like a eighteen incher. Yeah, nah. <laughs> ain't got nothing like that. Hey, <laughs> but they, no, we, but I noticed they were all eating like two three inch bait. So I finally got on a boat that had a spinning rod. There you go, net a. There it is. Very nice. Uh, BTC also had an interesting encounter with some corn. That, uh, yeah. Greg, you might want to ask about that. You yeah. had some corn, Brian. Let's yeah. About it. Uh, the guys at Starbright cooked for us pretty much the, the whole event. And, uh, they mixed Starbright inside of it. Saturday night they did the low country boil. and Oh, nice. It was good. And the corn was seasoned extra. Yeah. Extra, extra. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it challenged you. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you mean it was hot? Yeah. It, they were broken down into like this. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you could eat a whole one. There's a little hitter. Really? Yeah, it's just on your lips. Everything just melted. But I didn't get to see this classic moment, but um, another guy told me about it. He said that uh, Brian just had sweat pouring down his face, partly because it's hot in Florida. <laughs> That's why you're still sweating. Right but now. mostly, yes. mostly because of the seasoning, and and as he as he was choking down the last bit of this uh, ear of corn. He he looked at this guy and said, <laughs> "Never give up." Is that what it was? Yeah, but come on, you got to do it in character. <laughs> I don't actually remember saying it, Ken, but I did have a few cocktails that night. <laughs> 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 Never give up. Is that what you said? I, it's, yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Hey, <laughs> did you get that from somewhere else, or you just came up that all by yourself? Uh, came up with it myself. Did you? I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> Fishing or food, it's never. Not something you can make up. I mean, that's go, not something you can. I'll go get that on my hat. Gotta, yeah, uh, <laughs> just made me really hungry. You should have some special apparel for that. Yeah, BTC. Thank you. Well, corn. listen, this show's been all about me. Let's pass the buck around a little bit here. <laughs> Richard, you're up. I got nothing, man. I, mean, I, I I cast for me was was great. It was you know first one got to talk to some amazing people in the industry. You know, uh, had a chance to meet with all of our sponsors that we don't. Usually get a chance to talk to face to face one on one. So, yeah, my cast was good. Unfortunately, good. I wasn't at uh, Bienville. You know, I'm just kind of you will be in the future doing my thing, doing my thing up here on the Chesapeake. I got confirmation that I'm in the open on there the Chesapeake, so that's it's pretty cool. My money's on the Reels to win the tournament. Anyway. I appreciate that, Greg. No I need problem. it. That would be a, that would be a big time game changer. But that would be huge. it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough time of year down there, but you know we're gonna put our name in the hat and see see what can happen. Yeah. I got to fish against you. I might I might be there. I might not be there. Really? What? Yeah, I might just be hanging out. Come on. You got to fish against Ike too. I just yeah, got to fish against Mike. I, I, might, fish I, against I might just Pete. I might not even just practice. I'll just show up. Yeah, right. I'm serious. But yeah, not true. Just fish it free as can be. Yeah. Yeah. Might not watch, be the watch. You'll win. It just could. Being free. I'm telling you. That's how I fish at home. I just show up and fish, and oh, well, there they are. Oh, got them. Hey. <laughs> hey. I got a little show and tell. You want, you want to jump in the back? Yeah, yeah. Let's do oh, it. yeah. Let's do it. So I'm going to I'm gonna kind of speed up. So our next transition coming in is going to be the fall. I know we're still in the summer, dead of the summer, but this happens pre-fall, and I do it every single year, and I just want to help you guys out before it happens because if we talk about technique and it's going on now – and you got no time to go ahead and do it, so I'm going to bring it up early. Um, Brian actually just touched on it a tiny bit at Bienville. 
Small bait. Small bait. Yep. So typically around here, I'm just talking northeast area, mid to late August is where this starts to play, and then September is when it's really on. So one of the biggest things you'll see. So this time of year, you're starting to lose daylight a little bit. You're starting to potentially get a little bit change in temperatures. So what that's going to do is it's it already starts getting the bait funneled together. And if you've noticed, if you've been on a river around here uh, recently or if you've been on a lake in the evenings, you're already starting to see the bait gathered up, schooled together. Yep. Okay, and there's a technique that happens. Around here? It, anywhere's around here. It could be just, I mean, even where I was. I saw that. Yes. It, it's like it's a lot of places, you know, I would say – couple hundred miles that way, a couple hundred miles that way. It's happening big time. So if you're up north, it probably already is happening. If you're down south, it's probably going to happen maybe September, October, a little bit later. But there's a pattern that goes on um, that I just don't really think is talked about too much. And that's actually matching the forage early in the season. And the, the key time that this, this actually plays are on your toughest days imaginable. So, like, in the fall, in that transition funk, uh, is when this really plays because I think the reason why it's so good is because that time of year you're having the transition where you might get one cold day in the mix or cooler day in the mix, but you'll have them days where it'll spike back up at temperature again, and the fishing is just really, really hard. So in my little box right here, I brought my little box that has the answer to all. Oh, so all. yes, let's go. Now I'm gonna little RC. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick two that I think are are the best ones to buy if you're going to buy these little baits. And I'm guessing you still can buy them. I've had these forever. Um, so this is a little itty-bitty crankbait. And if you see, I did modifications to it, too. So this is a this is a Norris crankbait, a little tiny one. Shot. You can bring them up there if you want to. And this is a little tiny uh, RC, the DD, the tiny DD from Lucky Craft. Whereas you want to throw these in the camera or something? Yeah. Color-wise, I you know just match whatever you're doing. Yep. All right, here's your Just keep them still. Yeah. So like these little tiny profiles have saved my butt so many times in tournaments, where just making the small adjustment that go into a really small crankbait that matches that exact size of the shad or minis, whatever you're fishing in a river, whatever it is. Um, because I think. It, one one of the biggest things nowadays is BFS, where uh, a lot of companies are starting to do uh, bait finesse fishing. Um, it's a technique that's been around for a long time, but probably just not talked about so much. But now they're finally getting into rods and reels that are actually uh, allowing you to throw even smaller than this. I always throw mine on just a really small rod, like a six six eight or a six ten. Uh, it's more about the drag, I feel like, than it is the rod with these really small baits. Now. Because them days are really weird days, one of the things that I do, a lot of these have it in there. If you notice, my back hook is way bigger than the front hook. I see that. And the reason for that is because I want to take away some of the wobbling action. So I'm going to put the bigger hook on the back. And it actually, these these little baits thump really hard. But when you go to the bigger hook in the back, it gives it more le less wobble is what I should say. Uh, so that's the reasoning behind that. More or less wobble. More or less. Yeah. Yes. More but less. So that's that's my one, you know, little change that I do a lot of these baits. But the biggest thing is, honestly, is this, the size, the profile is so key, guys. I can't explain to you how many times. This one right here, 
I've probably caught more fish on this bait. This thing's old, super old. Actually, in one of the tournaments on the James River for a Bassmaster Open, I cast a check on this bait. What is it? Uh, it's a little Rick Clun. Yeah, okay. DD. I believe they still make this one, but it might be called something else. I think it's on Tucker Warehouse still. Yeah, he was, He was. was. that was his deal, man. He was to throw the uh, yep. Norman crappie crank. Yeah, so, I mean. And then he made, and then. These work home. really well on lakes, but on river systems, like this time of year on, oh, my right. goodness, man. The minis, I, I can't explain to you how good it is. Money, I think it was called at one point. Yeah, maybe they, they've all had so many different yeah. names. Um, I got a wide variety in here. Some of these are super old, and these are like the extra deep ones, the Norris extra deep. Uh, these are actually called the worming ones, are called right. Um, but just to, just to you know, if you guys are going to go locally fishing from like you know a little bit later than now around here, or if you're down up north, uh, you start to see them bait balls. You'll just see them on top of the water, small bait balls here and there. That's when it's time to pick this thing up. Once you start getting into the fall and you have them peak temperatures up and down, that's another time to pick this thing up. Um, Strike King 1.0. Yeah, 1.0 is good. A good one. The reason I like these ones because they go deep. Like this little tiny one goes eight feet. Yeah. That's super deep for a small crankbait. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, um, and the same with the other ones too. And, th and they got a wide variety out there. Uh, you don't have to get crazy with colors either. I mean, I think just shad patterns are probably as good as it gets, whether it's chrome or white. Um, but that's my little tip of the day. I like it, dude. Yeah. I, I throw these. I've, I've caught some big ones on the Chesapeake on yep. the 1-0. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Like the little cranks. Good stuff. Yeah, just be careful line size. So you said, you said rod. You said 6'8", six, 6'10". Six, yeah, I throw a small little bait caster. That's not that small. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I normally throw for, you know, cranking style. I'm like a 7'2 to a 7'6 a lot. So, yeah, okay. And, you know, I'm talking like with, with Shimano, once you get to a 6'8 or a 6'10", the, the actual blank size gets really small yeah. versus where the cranking stick, uh, you know, in Shimano is really big. Well, you, well, you nailed it because uh, BFS was one of the biggest uh, topics at ICAST, oh, yeah. that and, and forward-facing, yep. again. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a lot of companies. We know Cashin yep. uh, came Cashin out with a BFS system. Two rods. They just released two bait finesse rods that yep. are uh, yep. designed for the, the small, small crankbaits. Yep. It's a big so. deal. It really is. Yeah. Frank yeah. wants to know what line size. So typically, if you go over a 12, I think you're taking away from the bait way too much. Yeah. I throw, a, I throw an 8 and 10 a lot. Yeah. A lot. And like I said, for me, I'm not using an actual cranking stick. It really seems like with these small baits, they're so little, they eat them so well. It's more about having your drag set up properly than it is the actual rod on the fight, it seems like. You, once they eat it, you got them, it seems like, as long as your oh, drag yeah. is somewhat good. Yeah, you know, it's just a matter of wearing them out. But like, I, I'm I'm being serious. Like, I literally have done so well when I couldn't catch one anything, and then I picked this up and catch them. I've been doing it for years. I feel like twelve would be a little bit hard to cast with some of these. It would be. They're they're hard to cast in general, unless you have like maybe a BFS setup where you right. can you know have the reel, have the rod that helps you out with the casting and stuff. That's probably or spin yeah, you can throw yeah, them on spin rod. Spin rods are a great way to do it. Spin rods are a great for way to sure. Do it. That's probably one of the easiest ways to do it. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, kind of the origin of BF, BFS guys is just for people who want to throw light gear but don't want to use a spinning outfit. Uh, it's been around in Japan for a long time, and, and Greg makes great points about it. Shimano is one of the leaders in, in BFS. They've got a nice X-Pride rod that's made for BFS. They've got a Corrado you can get for under 200 bucks. that's great for BFS. They have a really low inertia startup, so it can throw a light bait well. Yep. Uh, they're, they're kind of made for about eight-pound line. Um the um, uh, Dobbins has a great 
BFS rod, as you mentioned, Cashin, uh, Pure Fishing and the Abu stuff, they're they're gearing up for BFS. They're going to have a new, I want to say it's part of their Xenon series. It's going to be like a $550 wow. BFS rod coming out, a uh, reel coming out soon. So uh, it's it's really catching on. It's it's cool stuff. A lot of fun. Yeah, it, it actually is a lot of fun because like when you're out there and you can't catch crap, and all of a sudden you put one of these on, it's like you're on a whole different lake. Yep, it really is. So a quick little tip for you guys to catch some more fall pre-fall pre-fall fish. Good call, dude. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, Greg, you ever throw uh, like a spy bait on the B -B BFS stuff? I uh, I have. Like that might be really well suited. I have, you know, and that's another thing, real quick, to touch back on forward-facing sonar is, you know, let's just say you throw a spy bait in eighty, which is the most common one thrown. How slow that thing actually falls when you throw it out there. Yeah. You're like this. You're just waiting, and it just. And the other thing about forward-facing sonar is I think that we don't actually understand is when we throw a cast out there, if you're throwing a jig, a drop shot, whatever you're throwing, when your water is, when your line is bowed and it's still high in the water column, dude, when you pull, that thing's pulling it straight off the bottom. Where, like, if you throw a cast out there, let your line sink a little ways and get it down, then you have more of a drag style. I don't think we realize how much we're pulling our baits off and we're working them and how fast we're actually going. Ah, so you got to let your line sink uh, after you let your bait sink. A lot, a lot of times we're really slow down your pull. Yeah. You see the Japanese guys, they hardly ever move their rods. I think it's because they understand that my line is still high. When I pull, I'm pulling. Right. Where if you're shaking your line on a slack line, you're just moving the, the bait and maybe a little bit of the, of the weight down there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's a lot to be learned about. You just all this said stuff. a mouthful there. I hope I there was I hope there was some people really paying attention to yep. what Greg just said there yep. about because you just made something click for me of, Dude, of when you when you pull when your line is at a certain angle in the water what it's actually doing to your bait down there. Let me say this real quick. So I think <laughs> the reason why John Cox and guys like Jacob Prosnick are so good is because they fish so slow but they're keeping their bait in the strike zone probably longer than you or I are doing because we're, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Patience. I've Patience got a great person. idea for a comedy TV show, guys, that would replace a lot of these bass fishing shows that we've watched on TV for years. It works like this. We uh, we take uh, any number of bass pros you want to name here, and we, uh, we let them make a cast in really clear water. We blindfold them, and we've got a camera down there watching their bait move. And we film 10 guys doing that. And then we ask them to identify which retrieve is their retrieve. <laughs> That's great. That'd be funny. I'll bet you no one could do it. You're probably right. I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> I think we I think we all have this preconceived notion yep. of what our baits are doing. And we have it almost like if we're working the bait through an aquarium like Virgil Ward used to do on his old TV show. But in real life, when you consider the the angle of the pull we're making, yep. when you consider the the angle of the line, like Greg's talking about, I think it's very Current, very different. Wind, Everything. cover, grass. It's, it's it's not it's not what I until I really physically started seeing it. Like it's honestly nothing via, I ever thought it was via forward facing sonar. Forward facing sonar. Yeah, that's the in addition to seeing a fish, that's the other things you're learning: the fish behavior, everything, the way your bait's moving through How the water, how right. crankbait goes, yeah. everything. Yep. Yep. How slow it fell. I bet. Uh, it was yep. shocking. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, too. Like, if you're throwing a drop shot, if you go from a slender worm to more of like a bulky style bait, dude, the fall difference is like tremendously different. Yep. Slower or faster. Yeah. You're on the same weight. And, and we did a, we filmed a seminar down at ICAST with Keith Carson, uh, mostly focused on uh, rate of fall. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Know, 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. That's nice. Yeah, right. It's I think it's often overlooked. Guys, uh, if you haven't liked and shared the Facebook feed, like and share. One of you guys is going to win That's this right. box. If if uh, Brian Tom leaves Mabel anything in there, any of it. Yeah, yeah, we got Zakos in here. We got frogs. Frogs. I love them frogs. This spoon that I'm trying to steal. <laughs> um, what's that, Greg? Popper. That's a popar. Popper. That is a spook. Livingston Walking Bay, and we got this here jig. This here swim jig. pacemaker. And a jig. Yep. And a poster of Chris Lane. That's Bobby. Yep. Looks just like Chris, but different. <laughs> and we got this uh, here. Oh, that's neat. What is that? Piece of paper. Oh, great. And you get 10% off at TW. Sticker. And 33% off of uh, uh, Mammoth Coolers and 30% off something else. Uh, on OnlyFans, what's it say? Champions Only Club. Fans. Onyx? Yes, Bass OnlyFans. It used to have a Bass University sticker in there, but someone stole it, so I'll replace it. Brian put it on his truck. Um, <laughs> it's, it's on my uh, iPad. Dude, that's a pretty dope box. It is. That's a real good box. Like yeah. and share the feed, guys. You like can win it. You want to you yeah. fire some trivia out there now? Yeah, we're, we're going to do a, uh, a grand prize trivia uh, for, for the prize pack, which is uh, an awesome raffle of VMC prize pack. Um, and the trivia question is going to come from none other than Ken Duke. It's so I'll box, uh, I'll let Ken Ken fire the trivia question out there for us. All right, guys, this is a, this is a, I hope a little bit timely, uh, and you guys are going to have to help me with the the young man's name who won in the St. Lawrence. Jay, I can't. Per- per- Shakurik. Yeah, Shakurik. Thank Shakurik. you. Thank you. I got to meet uh, Jay's uh, traveling roommate recently, Alex Redwine. Really enjoyed Alex. Anyway. So Jay became the youngest angler ever to win an Elite Series event. He, uh, he surpassed uh, Casey Ashley by a few months. Who is the youngest angler ever to win any BASS pro event? I'm not counting, not counting Federation stuff, only the pro events. Who's the youngest angler ever to win a BASS pro event? If they Ooh. get this, I'll be amazed. We were stumped. Oh, somebody will get it. The Bassview so? crowd's really sharp. I know somebody's going to get this, but... Uh, we didn't get it. We didn't come close. Nah. Uh, I think, yeah, it'll be a good one. Yeah, yeah, we'll let it roll before we do any hints or anything. But. Yeah. I like the topic, Greg, that we tapped into a little bit there of, like, the pre-fall yeah. fight and, like, when things start to change and kind of, like, the reasons why they change. And everybody's got their different theories and yep. you know why things happen but you know just just to throw an example out there and you said the debate starting to group up in certain places and it's freaking august right yep. it's august 2nd um you don't think like it's going to start happening yet but you know if you're one of the people that really pay attention to trends and weather and patterns and all that which f- for you know for better or for worse i check the weather and the tides in the Windfinder app like they're the three yep. on my phone that are Always up. It's yeah. it's tides, weather, wind finder. No particular order, but I'm constantly checking. Yesterday, the high uh, down on the down on the flats, it, it it only got up to like 82 degrees yesterday. Yep. Right. And so that's the, essentially a cold front right now. Yeah. So the overnight, so the overnight low uh, for that night for for either the night before or last night was significantly lower than we've seen in probably weeks, maybe months. Yep. So what does that do, right? Like, what does that do to the back of a creek where there's only a foot of water, 
right? Yep. That's going to affect where, where there's less water more as opposed to where there's eight feet of water because that water's going to be a lot more stable. So is that what starts the it's like push? The, like the, the, the pre-transition. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And because and like like what we experience on the on the Delaware every year, be like they go they go they go winter areas to spawn areas to main river to creek and then and then it's like started again. It's just yep. like starting again. It is. But like right. what is the cause? Right? So you start to think about like is it really just winter, spring, summer, fall, or is there like pre winter Post winter, pre spawn, post spawn, like pre fall, pre summer, like there's so many more little phases and in, in avenues, and it's like you can't just throw all your eggs into one basket and say, ah, it's summertime, I got to go do these three things. These yeah. are the only three things. Well, eh, things might be starting to change yep. a little bit, for sure. So. The upper bay is a prime example because if you want to win down there, you always got to stay one one step ahead for the most part, everybody sure. else, and that's the biggest thing. You know, for if sure. you can start noticing what he just said. You know, notice with your eyes, notice however you're doing it. Like, if you can get one step ahead, like, oh, man, I'm starting to see a little little change over here. Yep. And you can get on top of that and figure out how to catch them. This yep. is one really good way I just showed you how to catch them for this time of year. Yeah. What are you, what's your what's your main, like, habitat for that? I assume it's got to be more, more hardcover related, right? No, a lot of it, honestly, just comes down to, like, Roman flats. This is way before I had four-facing sonar. Like, I would just be, like, you can be in a, in a pocket in a creek, and you'll start to see this bait. These fish will kind of get almost nomadic a little bit, and they'll just be on these random pods. Right. And then once it really starts right. to get cold, a yep. lot of the fish are doing this. So they're not all on – and you're saying – you say cold, but, of course, that's of course that's generally – Cooler. Like, yeah, like yep. it, it's not cold. No, it's not just cold by no means. Cooler, compar yep. compar comparatively speaking, to what it has been. Correct. But so not all those crankbaits, they're not all deep running. There's – Oh, no. There's some shallow. I have some, I have some square bills in there. I oh, mean, yeah. basically from zero to eight – is where this happens a lot of times. Yeah. You know, it's right. like on rivers this time of year, for example, a lot of rivers have small bunker everywhere. It's because yep. they come up, they spawn, and all the little hatchlings are getting to be sized. They're about that size. They're yeah. pulling up, and they're in the fresh water. Yeah. They were brackish water. It, so what you're saying is if you're idling out through the no wake and your screen is looking like yeah. freaking. If you, if you find the bait, you find the bass. There's no other way around it. They're going to be around the forage. I don't care where you're at in the country. They have to eat. They're going to be around the mainstay of all of it. Right. They got to eat. They got to eat. Right. I saw I saw this play out at uh, at Bienville. Like I said, I'd seen the bass that were blowing on small bait. Yeah. There were some big blow-ups on the first day. There were some monster, monster blow-ups. Like, sure. mm -hmm. like terrifying. Yep. And couldn't tell what they were blowing on, but it could have been this, this small stuff. Uh, one of the guys that fished with us uh, – he uh, he picked up a, a mini max chatterbait, the little chatterbait, and really? he caught, and he caught him good in open water. There you go, on open lip, water. That's what I'm saying. Water, this is on the little water. chatterbait. What was he using as a trailer on that? Uh, D bomb, I think. A D bomb. Uh, a baby D bomb. Yeah. Huh. We yep. got a winner. Wow. Impressive. What we got? CJC said David Dudley. He is correct. Man, I don't know how you figured that one out. <laughs> Google. <laughs> I guess, but still, that's still hard. No, I don't know how he figured it out. But, yeah, David Dudley, very good. Very good. What was the most common wrong answer? <laughs> Brian KVD. the Carpenter. KVD. KVD, yeah. Yep. KVD. A lot of KVD, a lot of Wheeler, a lot of, well, Jordan Lee. The KVD was, like, the top answer. Yeah. These are beautiful. Yeah, there's a lot in there. I know. Yeah. I don't know if you can get them anymore. Yeah. 
Why are you pulling my, right pull my things out? Why are you mix them all up? What are you doing? What, what is this one? Don't worry about that one. Same thing. Warmy. Oh, it's that warmy, John. Yeah, they're all warmies. This all right, it. so we got a Facebook like and share to go out as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. But then Norman had that paint job. Jocelyn, I'll let you uh, you call, you shout this one out. The Facebook like and share is David Berzulia. I think I butchered his name. but I would read it way worse than you did. You did good. David Verzulia. Good job, Dave. I spell it. Verzulia. B-I-R-Z-U-E-L-A. Congratulations, Dave. Sounds like a pasta eater. I like you, it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a pasta eater. <laughs> you won yourself a MLF Champions Club box. That's a cool box. That bad boy's loaded. That's a good win. So ask him if he needs a spoon. Yeah, you need a spoon. <laughs> how, how bad do you want the spoon, Dave? How about some Three Musketeers? Yeah. <laughs> Ken, what do you think? I trade you one of Greg's crankbaits for that spoon. I, I love what you guys are talking about. Uh, I love what you're talking about about the seasons. I mean, this is why I, I keep going back to Bass University to watch the videos yeah. that you make, Greg, that uh, some of the other guys make. I, I learned so much. Lately, I'm on a swim jig kick, though. Ooh. I'm, I'm bound and determined to step up my swim jig game because I don't think bass see a lot of that in Florida where I live. Very hmm. nice. That's a good technique. Yeah, Bill Owens got a good one on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Riz, we got videos yeah. dropping this week, don't we, or something? We sure do. Uh, as always, we are releasing three new videos a week. Um, this week going out, we have. Bum, 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 bum. We have yesterday went out Scott Martin frogs and vegetation. This week, today's uh, video release is Brian New when to make changes. Um, Tomorrow, we have an interview hitting the airwaves with one of the longest-standing Bash U subscribers, uh, Dennis Blankenship. We interviewed oh, yeah. him down at the Classic. Uh, he talks about how Bash U has changed his life. And his dog. Yeah, Holly. And, and his dog, Holly, <laughs> was on the set. So if you're a dog yeah. lover, that might be the one for you. And then on Thursday, we got Greg De Palma, Carolina right. Riggin. So, Ooh. Greg, can you, can you maybe give us a little sneak preview of what we might be getting on Thursday? Yeah, so the Carolina rig video is uh, no holds barred. I gave away pretty much everything, and sure I did. Carolina rig a lot. I guarantee you, if you're not a Carolina rigger, it will speed your process up tremendously. I mean, the goods are how I set it up, what little tinkering things I do to make a different noise, uh, what I use for weight versus what everybody else uses, and all that good stuff. And bead color is really important sometimes also. So bead check it out. color? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. All right. I good stuff. Watch it. Yep. Good deal. It's good technique. Thanks. Get off my baits. Yeah, I guess that's it, guys. Ken, thank you so much for coming on the show. As always, you bring a lot to the table for us. And, uh, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're fabulous hosts. Who needs Pete Glusick? <laughs> Peach meat. Yeah. Thanks, Pita. Ken. I do. I need Pete. I need the Dean. But you guys are fabulous. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. Brian, Jocelyn, Riz, thank you, guys. And can't forget about Scott. Hey, Scotty. In the audience. Scotty. In the audience. <laughs> I Thanks. think it's really funny how you say my name. Jocelyn. Jocelyn. <laughs> how do you say it? Josh. 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 Guys, hey, Josh. Josh. Mm-hmm. Guys, Josh just called a monster bass. Josh Shulman. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. We. Yeah. 350. Yeah, we appreciate everything, as always, from the Bass University. Are we live next week or no? Yeah. We are. We are. Guys, we'll be coming to you live again uh, next week. 
Um, as always, guys, if you're listening on iTunes podcast, please, uh, please subscribe to us and leave us a review. We appreciate hearing your feedback and use the code BULive30 if you're not already a Bashu TV subscriber. Use that code and you'll get 30 days free, unlimited access to the entire website. Uh, it's a great time to sign up. Get involved in the program. Let's catch more big bass. I just want to encourage everybody to reach out to Ken Duke uh, personally or send him an email. Ken's got a podcast he's working on. He just needs some encouragement. Please, everybody, find a way to reach out to Ken Duke and uh, uh, let him know you want this podcast. I'm writing scripts now. I'm okay. writing material now. I'm going to start. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we need podcast. the Ken Duke podcast. Come on. Uh, Riz, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. I'm not sure anybody needs anything I have to offer, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to deliver one at some point. I really will. Cool. Very right. nice. Nah, there you too. go, guys. All the proceeds from Brian's new stuff goes to Ken Duke's podcast. podcast. Yes, there it is. <laughs> so check it out on, on the web. And That's right. uh, thank you guys so yep. much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next Tuesday, same time. See you next week. See you. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That's are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, 
and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count.